Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including life groups, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Jennifer Roth. Good morning. Buenos dias. Zasbui. We are glad that you are here today. It's good to be with you. My name is Jennifer. I'm one of the pastors of adult and family ministry here, and there have been some great things going on lately. So we just wrapped up an eight-week marriage course where over 30 couples just took the opportunity for some intentional investment in their most important relationship. Uh, And then just this last Sunday, we had our second annual Every Parent Family Christmas. You'll see some pictures up here on the screen. I thought about, you know, wearing my outfit for preaching today, but the preaching team thought it might be a little distracting. Uh, But several families came and joined us for Christmas carols and hot cocoa and crafts. And you'll see on the next slide for our epic nativity play. Okay, here's what I want you to know about this. This is a nativity play where any child of any age can be any part in any costume. So, you know, six Marys and seven angels and three wise men and, you know, so this is the only time I've ever seen this though. So this little darling up here with looking down at her knees right here in the middle. So she decided she wanted to be an angel and then midway through the play she decided she wanted to change costume and when she came back she had a dinosaur hat on and it was the first angel I've ever seen who stomped across the stage roaring while the text was being read. It was epic, you guys. It was really fun. While we're talking about family things, I'll take the opportunity to throw a picture of my family up here because I always like to give you every now and then an update on how things are going. This is as close to a Christmas picture as I'm going to get this year. Um, Our oldest, Josiah, our youngest, Abby, who, if you can believe it, is a senior in high school. And then on the phone in the middle, if you missed it, uh, is Titus, who's currently my least favorite son. He knows that I'm joking. Uh, This was taken three weeks ago when he was in Switzerland and he has since then traveled to Tanzania where he is leading an outreach team with Youth with a Mission for a couple months. And while I'm really proud of him and of the call of God on his life, this picture for me represents both the joy and the pain of the holidays. It was six years ago, this holiday season, when we lost my mom. And this tall kid back here who drives me crazy, I hate it when he's not here. His 21st birthday is next week, and then there's Christmas. And I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not the only one who's lost someone who you're going to miss around the Christmas table, or who has a loved one who's not coming home for whatever reason, maybe even reasons of conflict and tension. I know that as a pastor, I have heard the word alone and lonely more in this last month than I've heard in any Christmases previously. And so I want to take a moment to do what we call a a pastoral prayer. And that's when we just take a moment as the body of Christ here at Salem Alliance to acknowledge that Christmas is a season of both joy and sorrow and that those emotions are heightened, right? There's a heightened joy and love of the season and there is a heightened sorrow and pain of the season because of what it is. So let's just take a minute and pray. Father God, we love you. And we know you, and we're so glad to be known by you. And as we celebrate the birth of your son, the coming of the king, who set your plan to write on this earth, we also recognize the losses and the brokenness 
And so, Lord, for those who are hurting, I pray your comfort. And for those who are financially struggling or unsure how to deal with a family conflict at this time of holiday, Lord, I pray for your counsel. Would you give wisdom and discernment? Lord, I invite your presence of peace and joy to be what overrides our sorrow. And may we know that we are carried. And may we know that we are known. May we know that we are loved. And for those, Lord, as we walk this together as a community of believers, may we have space for the joy, yes, but also for the sorrow that we might be in these real places together in real time, being the support and encouragement and love that you meant us to be to one another. And so we commit this season this upcoming week, and this holiday to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, have you ever met an expert? I mean, not necessarily somebody who thinks they're an expert, that's one kind. And not necessarily someone who maybe needs to be seen as an expert. We, we call that a know-it-all. But someone who's actually given the time and the effort and the study and the practice to become an expert in something. They say that it takes up to 15 years to become a true expert. When I've met an expert, I find that I am filled with a sense of wonder and curiosity. The wonder is there's so much in this world that I don't know, right? There's so many things to learn. And then I become curious and I want to know more. Um, within this last year, I started seeing a, a neurotherapist and he knows all this stuff about the brain and I just find myself going, he just drops in a sentence this nugget that I'm like, wait, rewind, back up, explain. What do you mean the brain can do that or the brain responds this way? When I meet an expert, I'm aware of what I don't know and I'm curious about what I could know. Experts are those who have dedicated their lives to the study or practice of something that has captured their imagination or their passion or their intellect. I'd like to say that I'm an expert at something, but I don't think Rubik's Cubes count as that thing to dedicate your life to. It just doesn't seem like that's quite weighty enough. But there are people whose names have become synonymous with the thing that they have studied and become an expert in, right? So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna throw out a name and you're gonna tell me what their expertise is. The first few are easy, it's a, just a soft pitch, okay, ready? Michael Jordan. No hesitation. This is not a man who's pretending to be an expert, who thinks he's an expert but he's not. This is somebody who has given his life to a practice that you all know that basketball is his thing. Okay, uh, Taylor Swift. Singing, music, performing. She could be known for a lot of things. I think if you're Rob, you think right now she's most known for the current boyfriend that she has, but she's a performer, okay? Uh, what about Billy Graham? Crusades, evangelism, ministry, 55 years, okay? Uh, Jane Goodall. Monkeys, chimpanzees, gorillas, primates. 60 years of primates. And you guys, the list goes on. Thomas Edison. Henry Ford. Andrew Carnegie, money, philanthropy, <laughs> right? Marie Curie won two Nobel Prizes in physics as she discovered radioactivity. People who have given a determined, diligent, consistent, constant study, practice for their whole life, and many of them have changed the world. 
Today, as we dive back into the narratives of Christmas, of Advent, and we're looking at those this, um, in this series through the filter of joy, we're looking at the story of the wise men, the magi that came from the east. We find this in Matthew chapter two, which is where I'll start reading. And what we're gonna talk about today is that profound joy is found in the determined pursuit of God. Profound joy is found in determined pursuit of God. So uh, you can follow along. I'm gonna read from uh, Matthew chapter two, the story of the wise men. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from Eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. This is God's word. Can you imagine the magi, experts, a lifetime of study, arriving at the moment, the culmination of their life's work, the profound joy that they must have felt upon the arrival and the recognition of the newborn king, who would have been now a toddler-ish in there somewhere. What I wanna do this morning is unpack this a little bit and talk about how did they get there, these magi from the east, how did they get to this little house in Bethlehem, and then what can we learn from them in this space and in this place? So first, let's look at the definition of the word profound and why I chose that today, because as I was preparing for this sermon, there's this sense that there's some indescribableness of this joy that's not necessarily the joy of exuberance, but sometimes even the joy of a deep quiet, of like there's just something deep inside that's like, yes, this is right, this is good. So profound, first, having intellectual depth and insight. So this is something that engages our minds. Second, extending far below the surface. So there's something about being profound that takes it to the depths, the profound depths of the ocean or the profound depths of your soul. And third, characterized by intensity of feeling or quality. So there's an emotional aspect to profound, there's an intellectual aspect of profound, and there's a depth. So when we talk about profound joy, 
What we're talking about is a deeply emotional, thoughtful space that we are brought when we pursue something with our whole heart. It's the difference between the joy of tears and the joy of shouts, right? It's a thoughtful and intelligent joy. It's the joy that Eugene Peterson talks about when he says, a long obedience in the same direction. It's a lifetime of pursuit. So, how did these magi get there? Uh, do you remember Daniel? Daniel was one of the Israelite exiles who was sent to Babylon, and Daniel was a young man who had a determined pursuit of God, and whose faithfulness in the face of the threat of death, in the threat of being a slave, an exiled slave, rose him to a place of wisdom and authority, and Daniel was respected in the land of Babylon because of his discernment, because of his ability to interpret dreams, and because of the wisdom that was God-given in his life. And it's thought that these magi came from Babylon, and is it possible that in Daniel's determined pursuit of God, he paved the way for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation until the magi of determined pursuers of wisdom and truth to know when and where the Christ child would be born and could be part of the affirmation of history and prophecy to say that this is the king. This is the king of kings and the lord of lords and the prince of peace and this is where he was born and this is who he is because of the determined pursuit of God of generations of people. These magi watched the skies and they studied the stars and they combed the ancient prophecies. It's in Daniel chapter nine when Daniel was praying for the redemption of the exiled peoples when he was met by the angel Gabriel and given a promise that there would come an anointed one who would be the ruler for the nation of Israel. And all of that is in this chapter that has all this like prophetic math. I mean, you thought algebra was bad. There's like sevens and seventies and this is when this all gonna happen. And these magi studied the scriptures, studied the ancient prophecies, studied the ancient math, and they recognized when the signs came and the king was born. They said, we saw his star as it rose. Uh, as I was preparing for this sermon, I was told about a documentary. It's a rather old documentary, so if you decide to look at it, know that it's very dated, but it's called The Star of Bethlehem, and you guys, it was fascinating. I do not have time to unpack it all, but basically, with the technology that we have now, and what science has learned about the tracking of the stars and the planets in the sky, they can actually track back to any point in history and know based on where you are on the globe what you would have seen in the sky at that moment on that day. They can run it forward, they can run it backwards. And so this documentary is about what the, might have been happening in the skies when the wise men were watching and what they might have seen. And here's, it has to do with conjunction of planets, the rising of constellations in the in relationship to the sun and the moon, and then this thing that they called retrograde movement of the planets, which means that a planet in the sky looks like it's looping back on itself and could cause it to stop, or appear to have stopped, over Bethlehem in 2 BC. Friends, I'm not someone who needed this data. I'm okay with mystery. 
I'm okay with the wonder, like it makes sense to me, that, that's part of my personality, but it was so faith building to see that experts, people who know what they're talking about, can make rational sense of the signs that the wise men talk about in the Christmas narrative. Um, the other thing about this documentary is that uh, he had some really good points about astrology and astronomy and the Christian perspective and how that fits in with the Magi from the East. So if you're interested, the Star of Bethlehem, you could see more. So these wise men... Traditionally, we think it was three because of the gifts that were given, but we don't know how many. Traveled from Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, to Bethlehem. It's a 900-mile journey. Uh, many scholars think maybe they would have traveled through Petra. Petra was an ancient city at sort of the crossroads of civilization. Uh, if you've never been there but you recognize this picture, it's because of Indiana Jones. Just That's, that's the place. Um, it's even thought that maybe, they don't know, but maybe they bought their gold and their frankincense in myrrh when they were passing through this city, was at the crossroads of civilization. However they got there, they arrived in Jerusalem where they asked the question, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? Now, notice, they did not say, was there a king, was, was there a king born? Is there, like, what do you guys, like, they, because of their expertise, because of their life timed pursuit of this truth and this knowledge, and because of their knowledge of the skies, they had no doubt in their minds that there was a king who would be born, and they came and said, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? Their knowledge, their intelligence, their diligence and experience got them to Jerusalem, but it took scripture to get them the final step. That's what they, we saw in Micah 5.2, is that Bethlehem was proclaimed as the place. And so they find the baby, now a toddler, in a humble home. The culmination of their life work, the culmination of this 900-mile journey in the house of a carpenter and his wife. Just an ordinary house with ordinary people with what appeared to be an ordinary toddler. And yet, in that moment, they were moved to worship him because they had studied the signs, they had seen the signs, they had followed the star, and they had a transcendent moment, a profound joy in the culmination of their life work. These wise men were foreigners from another land. They weren't from the nation of Israel. They weren't Hebrews or Jewish people. They were Gentiles, folks who aren't Israelites. And I used to think uh, because growing up, you hear the Bible stories, right? You hear all the Old Testament stories, and then you hear about Jesus, and then you hear the letters of Paul where Paul says, hey, this message of the Messiah isn't just for the Jews, it's also for the Gentiles. So for a while, there was sort of a sense in me that was like, oh, that was just sort of an afterthought, you know, bring the Gentiles in on this good news too. You know, kind of a bonus, if you will, for anybody who wasn't a Jew. But that's not the case at all. We know that God intended for all people of all nations to be welcome in his presence since the foundation of the world. We know this because in Isaiah chapter 49, it says this, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So centuries before Paul talked about including the Gentiles in the good news, 
We already know that God intended for all nations to be included in his good news, and that really, the nation of Israel was chosen to provide a vessel and a vehicle for the Messiah to come so the world would know what they were looking for, so the world could see the salvation that was on its way for everyone from the foundation of the world. The coming of the Magi to worship the king and the inclusion of their story in the narration of the nativity story shows that there is a place for all people of all nations in the presence of the king. And this is why they were moved to worship. And this is what brings us back to profound joy. And I wonder if we can imagine what it's going to be like when that king comes again. Because our remembrance and celebration of Advent is meant to point our eyes and our heart and our minds towards the hopeful expectation of the second coming of the king when the trumpet sounds and Jesus will set everything to right. And you can tell by what you see rising up that I carry a deep longing for everything to be set right. And I'm guessing that you carry that longing with me. And this gift that we celebrate at Christmas time is not just the gift of the manger. It is the gift of the manger, but it's also the gift of the cross where he redeemed humanity and it's the gift of our coming king that we look forward to with hope and we look forward to with profound, deeply intelligent, thoughtful, healthy, emotional, passionate hope that this is not all there is. And this profound joy will be found through our determined pursuit of God. So what does that determined pursuit look like? Well, like the Magi, we become diligent students of the truth that we've been given, the truth that we find and see in his word, the truth that we're given through his Holy Spirit. Jesus promised us his Holy Spirit and said that he would comfort and counsel and convict and remind us of the things that he said, and his spirit is doing those things now. Rob reminded us last week that the the end of Matthew circles back to God's presence with us. He was present as a baby, and he says, lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. He is with us, and so we become students of the truth that we've been given. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus said it this way, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So not only do we become students, but we we follow that long obedience in the same direction of following the righteousness that he has shown us. And when we do that, we begin to tap into that deeper level of profound joy. Friends, this is not the journey of the shepherds. The shepherds heard the good news and ran to town and told their story all in one night. This is the story of the wise men. This is the journey of the magi. This is a journey of a lifetime. This journey is the long obedience in the same direction. It spans our joy and our sorrows. It spans those aha moments where something clicks into place and those deeply dark nights of the soul where God just seems silent. It spans the faith-filled, glorious moments and the anxiety-ridden, depressed moments. 
I could spend the rest of our time giving you practical tips for how to pursue God. I really wanted to preach a how-to message. You know, I could give you some spiritual formation practices of worship because the Magi worshiped him, or I could talk about the sacrifice of the gifts that we give and what gift do you bring to the king, or I could give you a a missional application of all nations are welcome at the throne, so who are you going to invite to the Christmas Eve service? Hallelujah. Those would be good things to say. But I felt like God was saying, no, Jennifer, the body of believers right now needs the why to. (laughs) I think we might need more motivation than information this morning because what I suspect is you already know how to pursue God. You know the ways that you connect with him. You know what it takes to have a determined pursuit of him. You know, and yet in the chaos that is Christmas in America, (laughs) it is so easy to be caught up in what has to happen in the next six days to make sure that your family has everything that they need to have it be the happiest day on earth. And what I want to say today is, I don't believe your profound joy is going to be found in any of the trappings of the holidays, but that your deeply profound joy is going to be found in your determined pursuit of God, even if it's just coming back to him, refocusing on him, and making a purpose and a point of being intentional in your pursuit of him for the next six days, and beyond, but you know, for Christmas. There's a passage of scripture in, uh, if you'll put it up, Peter. All of a sudden my brain thought Hebrews. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible, profound joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Friends, we are invited to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength without ever having seen him. We are compelled to trust him when it can only be by faith. And the reward for this determined perseverance is the salvation of our souls, the eternity with God, the deeply profound joy of being in his presence forever. It's not just for a moment, but it's for all of eternity. But this profound joy isn't just about our determined pursuit of him, is it? It's about his determined pursuit of us. And that's what we celebrate at Advent. When he came as a baby, it was he was pursuing us. And when he went to the cross so that we could be restored to relationship with him, he was pursuing us. And when he comes again, it's because he is pursuing us. And some of you have known his pursuit this very week because in his present reality now, you've had an encouraging word or a financial gift or an aha moment or maybe just the temporary lifting of grief for a moment where you recognize the presence of God at work in your life. Because this gift of joy is the gift of the cradle and the cross and the coming king and the now. In the book of Hebrews, I knew I was getting there, Jesus says, they say that Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. And if Jesus can look forward to joy through the shadow of the cross, can we not look forward to joy through the shadows that we face in this broken world? Through our sadness and our sickness, 
Through our joys and our successes, through the lifelong journey, can we look ahead to joy? And so as you've noticed, we are going to wrap up today's service around the communion table. And as we come to the communion table, which is a place of remembrance, it's a place where we remember the body and the blood of Christ that were shed for us, the sacrifice that he made to atone for our sins, we often come to the communion table with a sense of sorrow, which is appropriate because of the symbol that it is, with a sense of confession and repentance, And that is an appropriate way to approach, that's a good posture for communion. But today, as we come to the communion table together as a body of believers, I want us to see if we can do that through the filter of profound joy. This Advent season where we've been focusing on the gifts that God has given us through his son, could we think about what's before us as the promise of what is to come? And I know that that celebrating around the communion table is not really where our hearts are at, and yet, that joy of deep hope and expectation of what is coming, that is what Jesus paid for. Friends, we are a place that practices open communion, so if you believe in Jesus as your savior, you are welcome to come take communion. When you come to the front, there's some bread that you can dip in juice, or there's some individual cups if you're more comfortable with that. However it is, come in that posture of receiving the gifts that the joy of Christmas brings for us. Let's pray. Father God, you are good, you are loving, you are holy. And as we come to your table today, we just come with a sense of gratitude, deep gratefulness for your pursuit of us, for the profound joy that is ours now and forever. And as we remember that today, together as a body of believers, we honor you, we worship you, and we celebrate you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.